Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You're listening to This Week in Sports. I want to welcome everybody in today. It is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. Public service announcement here on the East Coast, New Jersey. It is currently about 19 degrees it is windy. It is absolutely freezing outside. It's dropped to 17 degrees since, but it is going to get even lower. It's going to be into the single digits by tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. It's going to be 8 degrees. So please stay warm, stay safe, and turn that heat up because it is going to continue to drop. It's just insane what what's going on with the weather right now. But and we had some snow sprinkles here and there two days this week, but nothing that even amounted to anything like this. I don't know why it's dropping so drastically in temperature. But anyway, uh, we've got a lot to get to. Um, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving, but I swear to God, I will, I'm not going to, I'm not going to parade around and spend 30 minutes talking about Kyrie Irving. I refuse to waste my breath on this guy to waste my breath on my Brooklyn Nets. I'm now convinced my Nets will not win a championship for the rest of my life. I now believe that they are positioned worse than my Jets ever could be, and and it's just, it's disgusting. But I'll get into that in a couple minutes. Um, had a bit of a long night, just finished dinner, and um, took my shot of Humera, and I'm ready to go. I'm excited. We've got a lot to talk about. Hopefully it's not as long as last week's episode. That went a little further than I expected, but there was a lot going on with all the NFL playoff games and and whatnot. We've got a break now in between um last week's games and the Pro Bowl and then and the Super Bowl rather. So yeah, if you didn't know, the Pro Bowl games started last night. I'll briefly touch on that because there was just so much other stuff going on. I was watching college basketball game I bet on and all sorts of stuff. So with that being said, here we go. Episode 199 of This Week in Sports starts now. Okay, let's round up the weekend. I talked about it, at, I touched on it at the latter portion of last week's episode 198. We had the Australian Open going on, and guess who won it? The Joker, yes, Novak Djokovic, Djokovic, he wins it yet again. I just got, these tennis stars are like some of the greatest athletes. They dominate their sport, and they really don't get talked about with the likes of your Tiger Woods and your MJs and guys like that. It's unbelievable. 35 years old, which I guess is considered old for tennis, won his 10th title, 22nd Grand Slam overall, which now ties Rafael Nadal for the all-time lead. And guess what? He has not lost at the Australian Open in five years, winning 28 consecutive matches. Oh, my God. Now, that doesn't count last year because they wouldn't let him into the country because he was not vaccinated and all that BS. He could have won it and should have won it last year if they would have let him compete. Now, let's throw it over to the women's side. This was Saturday morning, 24-year-old. Arena Sabalenka, Sabalenka, 
she won her first Grand Slam singles title, defeating Elena Rabinka, uh, Rabinka no, Rabikina, 4-6, 6-3, 6-4. So that went three sets. So, yeah, good stuff on the tennis side. Like to see some, um, you know, some parity with the women finally. And it's not just Serena winning it over and over or that girl, Ash Barty, who was Australian, who just decided to call it quits randomly. But, yeah, so good stuff there. Okay, let's get to um, this was God, this feels like it was so long ago, but out of nowhere, guy that's been on the trading block for the past couple of seasons, Miles Turner. He's a machine when it comes to blocking and a uh, big man there. So Pacers, out of nowhere, agreed to a two-year, $58 million contract extension. He'd been on the trade block at least for the last two seasons. You always heard his name floating out there, but looks like it's off the table now. He's averaging career highs of 17.5 points, 7.9 rebounds, and 54.4 shooting this season. And it's his eighth already with the Pacers. Time flies by. Okay, I won't um, harp too much on this, but we now know who's in the Super Bowl. Yes, it's the Eagles. Yes, it's the Chiefs. Boring. The two number one seeds from both divisions. Some decent storylines here. You've got Andy Reid versus, you know, his old team. Travis Kelsey versus his brother, Jason Kelsey, which wild story here. Jason Kelsey's wife is bringing her OBGYN to the game because she could go into labor at any moment. That's a little crazy. I don't know why you need to bring your personal OBGYN and not just, you know, rely on the outstanding paramedics that'll be there for, you know, on the field and whatnot, but whatever. So that's a storyline. Uh, third Super Bowl for the Chiefs in four years. We're going to have a problem if they don't win this. And I don't think they're going to. So Andy Reid's got just one Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, one Super Bowl. And to get to three in four years and only win one, if you lose this one, there's going to start to be some doubts of, can you finish? You've only got the one. So they they outlasted the Bengals 23-20. to 20, And it seemed like early on that they were going to blow the Bengals out of the water early. Joe Burrow threw a pick with the Bengals already trailing 13 to three. It then set up the Chiefs with great field position, I believe just over the 50. And the this was the turning point in the game. And personally, because they could have ended it here, gone up 20 to three. And instead they punted like three plays later. It was really bad. So the Bengals came back, fought just what the Bengals have been doing the last two years you know, throughout the regular season and playoffs, they just never go away. And they tie it up at 20 and actually had two separate chances to win the game. They got the ball back twice with a chance to go up on top, just need a field goal, and they couldn't get it done. They actually were backed up inside their five. It was third and 14, and Burrow hits Hayden Hurst for a huge 16-yard gain and a first down, and that's when I thought, Yep, here we go. Bengals are about to win this game. And they ended up stalling and had to punt back to the Chiefs. And what are we doing? Punt the ball out of bounds. Instead, they punted the ball to uh, Sky Moore. And it was just, it, it turned out to be a very, very bad decision because Sky Moore returned this punt all the way uh, 29 yards 
to the Chiefs' own 47. So at that point, you know, it's like, oh, my God, the Chiefs, they don't need a whole lot here. They could easily win this. They could get this done. And, well, guess what? They got it done. Third and four with 17 seconds left from the Cincy 47. Patrick Mahomes put the team on his back. Take a listen to this. This was basically the game-winning play. Hold on. Why did this not connect? Give me a second here. This was connected. Oh, because I went downstairs, I think, before to get a snack. All right, here we go. You still got a chance to clock it. Take your time and take the shot down. Here's Mahomes rolling out on third and four. He's going to go for the, yes, he's got the marker. He's got the out of bounds to stop it. And Osai was hurt as he hit the bench. And a flag's coming in to put him 15 years. Yeah. Mahomes runs for the first on third and four with under 17 seconds left at this point. And Joseph Osai comes in late and just wails him. And they both go flying into the sideline. And Osai actually is trying to stay upright. And he hyperextends his knee. And it's ugly. But nobody seems, nobody, well, obviously nobody cares about it because he just cost them 15 yards and set up a game-winning field goal for um, Harrison Butker, which he would make everybody wants to say, Oh, you know, they shouldn't have thrown the flag and blah, blah, blah. Well, Butker nailed the field goal and the chiefs won the game. And, you know, there was all this talk of Burrowhead and he owns Patrick Mahomes and is the mayor saying, Oh, we need a paternity test because Joe Burrow is Patrick Mahomes father. Here's what Mahomes had to say after that. Hey, hey first of all, like I said, I want to thank God, man. He, he healed my body this week. Uh, the battle through that, he gave me the strength to be out here. But uh, I just want this team, man. We played together. I said it from the beginning. When we were in the locker room, I said, we got to be together. And this team stepped up. I get the great football team. And uh, we showed this place. That's Arrowhead. It's not Burrowhead out here. No, it's not Burrowhead anymore. And you saw Travis Kelsey. It's going to be the Kelsey Bowl against the Eagles. Your early thoughts on heading to Arizona to try and beat the Eagles to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, they're a great football team. I, I've watched them all year long. Great quarterback, great entire team, man. It's going to be a great a great challenge for us. Uh, but I'm going to celebrate this one first. So uh, I'm going to make sure I get back on my team. I don't think we have any cigars, but we'll be ready to go at the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was another last-second um, shot at Joe Burrow with the cigar thing. So, yeah, this could be a great rivalry for years to come. No love lost between them, and I have more on that. But first, this leaked after the game. This is shame on the reporter for filming. There should not be cameras in the tunnel. This guy, uh, Jermaine Pratt, one of the Bengals players, is caught on a basically not a hot mic, but somebody, a reporter, was filming this as they're coming back into the locker room, and you can clearly hear the frustration. Take a listen. So, yeah, um, apologies for the cursing that went on there, uh, some F-bombs. But, yeah, Jermaine Pratt, he said, basically, this is my last year because I think he's a free agent now and he's probably not coming back. But he's saying, why would you touch the quarterback? Just showing his frustration. And I have no issue with that um, because that's 
he wouldn't have said that, it, you know, if he was in front of reporters or something, he wouldn't have blasted his teammate like that. And I believe he did apologize. And he actually, what he said was, was really good. I don't have the apology here, but I heard it on the radio and it's squashed. It's over. But in the moment, I'd be super pissed too. And I would have let out some frustration. You don't accept it. You don't just sit there and say, oh, well, you know, we, we, we could have won the game, but we just didn't. No, I, you'd be pissed because you just cost your, your team a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And, um, man, they were that close to getting to their second straight Super Bowl. Um, so there was that. And then while they're celebrating and handing out, you know, um, trophies and whatnot, you have Travis Kelsey with possibly the quote of the year. I appreciate you. How about this beautiful trophy? Huh? Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight for your right to party! I knew he was gonna be up for one more of those. So, yes, there you have it. For those of you that don't know, that's a... You know, The Rock, that's a quote from his WWE days, the whole jabroni thing. And yeah, the Cincinnati mayor tweeted out some things and it was a bad look when the Bengals lost. And he even admitted that he deserved that. So um, we'll see. Is that enough to fuel this fire for years to come? I absolutely think it is. And I'm all here for it. Let's see. Balls in Joe Burrow and the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals court for next season now. All right, so let's get to the NFC Championship game, which was just about as fun to watch as any one of the Jets' final six games or so. Just, I'd rather have watched paint dry. This was so disappointing. Eagles go up 7-0. The 49ers come back. Brock Purdy. Can he be the first rookie to start a Super Bowl or get his team to the Super Bowl? And first drive, couple plays in, this is what happens. Across the entire league. A lot of fake pressure coming. Purdy, Dak, floating in the air is... Is it picked? No. One of the biggest matchups of the day here is who's going to be able to block Hassan Reddick. This time, they're trying to block him with Croft, the tight end. And By Reddick. Oh, my goodness, what a turn of events. And so now it's Johnson who's been around and then some. He's been with 13 teams. Johnson. Pressure Reddick buries him. Oh. So Brock Purdy tore his UCL on that play. He's trying to throw the ball, never sees Hassan Reddick coming off the edge, and he whips his arm full throttle through, you know, through his throwing uh, plane. And when you're throwing the ball like that, and you're whipping your arm 100 miles an hour, and it gets stopped abruptly when you don't expect it, that's the end result because these are big boys, these are NFL players, defensive ends, and they're coming for you. And that's what happened. Brock Purdy gets hurt, and then, of course, you hear Josh Johnson, that's who that was that came in as the backup on 13 teams. We know what Josh Johnson is. Friggin' Jim Harbaugh coached him in college at, what, San Diego State or wherever the hell he played. And um, 
just not good. He gets sacked immediately. They were able to go down and, and get a touchdown to Christian McCaffrey. It was an unbelievable run. Helped me hit a bet, um, an anytime touchdown bet for for um for, for Christian McCaffrey. But as soon as that happened, it was over. Then Josh Johnson. This is where the game ended. They were they were down 14-7. They could have went to half down 14-7, but they were driving to try to get some points. And Josh Johnson fumbled the snap and the Eagles landed on it and they went down and scored again. And really, if you look back to this, you could say the turning point was when the Eagles did score that first touchdown, they had a deep ball on fourth down to Devontae Smith and he caught it one-handed and the ball actually hit the ground. But they had the presence of mind to run up to the line and hike it before they could initiate, according to the NFL, this new um, advanced uh, replay where they expedited replay, basically. Somebody in New York is right on it. They're like, okay, boom, we know the ball dropped. They they basically um, call into the refs on the field and they explain, okay, yeah, the ball was dropped. You don't even have to go to a timeout or, a, or instant replay or anything. And then they just say, okay, after review, you know, it's been changed basically, and they don't have to take the time to go to go look at it. So that's been nice. But they said apparently they went too quickly. Now, I'm a big Kyle Shanahan fan, right? But at some point, like he, he the season was lost because of this one play. I think you can argue it. What was he thinking? You watch the Eagles rush up there after that fourth down. Why else would they run up there? Because they they don't they know he didn't catch the ball. So they're trying to hike it before they could get a challenge off or a review initiated from the booth. Kyle Shanahan should have called time out. It's like I this this just kills me inside, but it, it it comes it's the same thing with baseball. If I'm watching a Yankee game and there's a bang bang play at second base on a steal say, what does the head coach do or the manager, Aaron Boone? He always looks to his to his bench coach or whoever it is, and he immediately gets on the phone and he's calling the booth or whoever the ones are that are watching these replays, trying to figure out if, oh, should we challenge this or not? If it's in a big enough spot and that's the winning run that just stole second and you think you got him out or there's any chance that it was that it, he was out, you don't wait for the guys to tell you whether to challenge it or not because sometimes if you take too long, you 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 bypass the 30 seconds goes by and then the uh, the umps or refs they don't let you challenge it in this case in baseball with the umps so it's like wh why do they have to wait for somebody to tell them to challenge it or not it's like no this is a big point in the game even if you're wrong you need to challenge it to at least help your defense or or whatever catch a breath and recuperate and so i thought that was the probably turning point in the game josh johnson started the third quarter gets wrecked and guess what concussion out for the game. They have no other quarterbacks at this point. McCaffrey threw a pass one time and it went, you know, he had to end, just chuck it uh, deep um, towards the left side of the field to nobody because he was going to get sacked. But that would have been better than the alternative. They went back to Brock Purdy with a torn UCL. Now, we didn't know he had a torn UCL at the time. Brock Purdy couldn't throw. He threw like a couple screen passes, like a five-yard pass, maybe three total. He literally could not throw the ball. So what did he do? Just handed it off, handed it off, fourth and three, handed it off, and they went backwards. I mean, it was that bad. So the Eagles cruised. They won this game 31-7. to It wasn't a game at all. Um, just, wow. Um, and now you have to look forward to this 49ers team who has the pieces 
to win a Super Bowl and just lost their quarterback to injury. They lost th actually three quarterbacks to injury, Trey Lance, Jimmy G, and now Brock Purdy. And now I pose this question. What in the hell does Brock Purdy do from here? He's out at least six to seven months. He's going to get an, a second opinion to see if it's fully torn and if he needs surgery. But could this be the end of Brock Purdy? Does he come back? Did he show us enough in eight games or so to be the starting quarterback? Because he never lost. I can't give him a loss. I can't credit him with a loss. He didn't play that game. He played one series before he got hurt. And yeah, he came back, but he that doesn't count. I'm not counting that as a loss. He's undefeated as a rookie. And, and I think he was good enough to, to possibly come back as the starting quarterback next season. You saw Kyle Shanahan this week already said there is no chance that, that Jimmy G comes back. And now it's just all about what do you do with Trey Lance? He didn't look good when he started last year, and he's played less than, I mean, he, he's worse than Zach Wilson at this rate because we just don't know. There's too many unknowns. He's been hurt every time he, we, we try to see what's up with him. In three years, he's been hurt. And so it, it, they're in a dilemma. They could trade Lance. They could they could roll with Brock Purdy. I don't know what you do, but it's a very tough spot if you're Brock Purdy. You're going to try to do everything you can to make it back for training camp next season by the summer so you can prove that you're, you, you were not a fluke. Because if they try to go out and sway a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, which, well, we know that one's not happening, or Derek Carr or somebody, you're never going to see the light of day ever again. And you're going to go back to being Mr. Irrelevant. So that would really suck. A guy that's a finalist for Offensive Rookie of the Year, considering he played in like seven games. Just marvelous. He could never play in the NFL again. It would be insane. But it's possible. Now, as for the Eagles, we all I don't think anybody besides Eagles fans is rooting for this team. They head to their second, uh, excuse me, they head to the Super Bowl as two-point favorites. And honestly, I believe it's I believe they're a shoe in to win this game. I, you have to consider the Mahomes injury, um, but they also haven't even been tested in their two playoff games. They haven't even been tested. So, like, it's just been a, a, a cakewalk. So maybe they get kicked in the teeth like to start the game. This is what I would love to see. And they can't recoup because they have not been they haven't been down in one of these games yet. Um, and Nick, Nick Sirianni, man, he's such an unlikable dude really is just the exact opposite of Andy Reid. Everybody loves Andy Reid, but Nick Sirianni, no, 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 no. And can we, can we talk about this for a second? The Chiefs and the now Eagles have been to two. This is what will be the second Super Bowl for both of these teams in the last, what, five years or whatever it was. And in that span, they've also... They've each won a Super Bowl. So now they've gotten two trips to the Super Bowl with one win each. All in a span of a few years. And the Jets haven't even made the playoffs in 12 years. It's just so sad. It's so disappointing. So, so, so disappointing. God. Okay, in other news, the Cowboys fired offensive coordinator Kellen Moore Sunday night. Word quickly got around that Mike McCarthy will now be the de facto offensive coordinator moving forward. I do not care what anyone says, but to tell me that you fired Kellen Moore so, so Mike McCarthy could call plays, horrible move. 
absolute garbage of a move. Oh, Mike McCarthy called plays for 13 years in Green Bay. Yeah, he also had Aaron Rodgers and also only won a single Super Bowl. And you got fired because everyone said your offense was tired and it wasn't up to date and it wasn't innovative, uh, you know, to the game today. Just a joke of a move. Kellen Moore was without a job for all of, well, not even 24 hours because the following day, the Chargers hired him to be the new offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert. And I think he will bring some legitimacy to that franchise finally. They just need to get rid of Brandon Staley. Okay. Uh, and speaking of Kellen Moore, if you didn't know this, all-time winning is quarterback in FBS history. And yeah, he didn't last very long as a quarterback with the Cowboys, but he quickly stepped in and became a great offensive coordinator. And he's a future uh, head coach. Trust me on that. The Broncos decided to get in on some of this action, and they made a splash Tuesday when news came out that they were in agreement to make Sean Payton their new head coach. Now, Payton was still technically under contract with the Saints, even though he was a Fox um, studio analyst last year for this whole prior season. So Denver had to pay up to get him. Oh, and they had to pay. They sent a first and second round pick to New Orleans for a coach. A coach who's regarded as this great, innovative, offensive genius. That's why when Drew Brees retired, he did too, because he spent one year with that crapshoot of Jameis Winston and all, all these guys. And he realized, oh, crap, I can't win if I don't have a quarterback. So I'm going to bounce before they realize that I'm not very good. And that same guy, Mike McCarthy, who everyone says is so bad. Well, him and Sean Payton have basically identical resumes. And yet Sean Payton is regarded as this amazing coach. I don't care who the coach is. I'm not giving up first and second round picks for a coach. Unbelievable. And between the Russell Wilson deal and now Sean Payton, the Broncos have given up seven draft picks. Seven. Three firsts, three seconds. It's just ridiculous. And, oh, by the way, you know, your quarterback that was horrific last year, you know, future Hall of Fame quarterback, Russell Wilson, he's owed $161 million, and Sean Payton is looking at making around $20 million a year. I just don't like the hire. I, I don't. I think Sean Payton's a good coach, yeah. But how many times did we see him try to get too gadgety and too just all over the place? He's always trying to do new things. Drew Brees is dealing and roll and and rolling with the offense, and then he's like, "Come on out, Brees! I got to throw Taysom Hill in there for a gadget play." He would do that all the time, and that's why he would lose in the playoffs because he just didn't stick to what works and just stick to the norm. He's always got to try to do something new. All right, also on Tuesday, the Texans made it official hiring 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans as their new head coach. This makes sense. Uh, Ryans played for the Texans and has done an outstanding job with the Niners since taking over for Robert Sala. Uh, and the Texans liked him so much, they gave him a six-year deal. The first order of business, obviously, is to find a quarterback. They have the second overall pick, so let's see, you know, if it's C.J. Stroud or or somebody else um yeah I, i'm i'm interested to see what they do and if he could turn that franchise around
Okay, it was just news after news after news with the NFL this week. Tom Brady, yep, it seems to be official. Wednesday morning around 6 a.m., he informed the Bucks he'd be retiring. All it took, 20-plus year career, greatest quarterback, greatest player of all time, winning seven Super Bowls, lost three more, could have won 10, and he called it quits after one year of Todd Bowles as his head coach. That's all I got to say. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So uh, I won't be long-winded. I think you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so... Uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. I mean, just the consummate professional. He started to get a little emotional there, and he's on the beach recording that just on the whim. And I, I heard a good story from Bart Scott. Not even really a story, just Bart Scott playing against him, and he said he was just... He was so gracious in defeat. It wasn't all about the winning, and he didn't boast about it. But when he lost, he never made excuses, and he was just... He, he knew how to lose with grace. There's something to winning. Yeah, anybody can 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 win and rah, rah, this and that. And, and But to lose and be humbled like that sometimes and to give all the credit to the other team and to lose with grace, uh, that really stuck with me. And that, that obviously stuck with Bart Scott because he is, you know, Bart Scott, everybody respects Bart Scott. So for him to respect Brady like that, you, you know, and just, again, the, the he's like Derek Jeter, love him or hate him. I mean, I hated him just because he was on the Patriots, but the second he left the Patriots, I rooted for him. Uh, I mean, how could you not? I, I'm somebody that loves to see greatness and what he did coming out of Michigan as a six-round pick, a nobody, a guy that couldn't move well, was slow, you know, and even in the last couple of years, the, the, the NFL has started to, you've started to see this change with mobile quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray's, Lamar Jackson's, where they, you have to be able to move and run around, and Tom Brady doesn't need any of that. He can sit back there, drop back and make every pass with absolute precision. And Bart Scott even said, he said Brady was so technical and he knew where his receivers were going to be and they got them open and he made the throws every time. He said Peyton Manning was harder to defend because Peyton Ma Manning, he said, in the first quarter, he's screaming, orange, orange, orange. And then once you think you got the signal down, Pat, and you know when he comes back to it in the second half and he says orange again, you expect it to be this, the play that they were run earlier. And then, no, they switched it up in the locker room, and now orange means something totally different. So Peyton Manning would always play. He was like this cerebral, uh, you know, genius. And But Tom Brady, man, nobody greater at winning.
than Tom Brady in the history of this sport. Seven Super Bowls, lost to the Giants twice, and the Eagles barely. All those were close. Could have won. They all could have went, you know, any which way, and he'd be ten and zero in the Super Bowl. Just unbelievable, unbelievable career. And I hate to see him go, but if he actually does go and doesn't join the 49ers, well, then. He's going to join Fox for $300 million to be their lead analyst. And it kind of sucks because Greg Olson slid in and took took that spot that was supposed to be Brady's. So now it leaves us begging to know where is Greg Olson going because him and Kevin Burkhart are doing the Super Bowl on Fox next weekend. So that'll be very interesting. Okay, yeah, the Pro Bowls this weekend and everything, the Pro Bowl games, they actually started yesterday, if you could believe it, at 7 p.m. with some, I don't know, skills competitions. What's cool about this, though, is I saw some highlights today, and I'll be paying attention if they have stuff going on tomorrow and then the actual game on the flag football game or whatever on Sunday. But um, they're doing, like, they did dodgeball. They did a long drive competition. Um, But here's what got me. The quarterbacks are a joke. So no Mahomes, no Josh Allen, no Tua, no Herbert, no Lamar Jackson. They all opted out for various reasons. So we are left with Derek Carr, um, who, by the way, I've been informed that if he were to get hurt during these games, the Raiders will be on the hook for $40 million. And we all know Derek Carr isn't going back to the Raiders. More on that in a bit. The other AFC quarterback making it is a is the fourth alternate, Tyler Huntley, who somehow got the seventh most votes. He's in for Josh Allen, who is, quote unquote, recovering from an elbow injury. No, he's actually going to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend instead of the Pro Bowl games. Huntley threw two touchdown passes this year which is by far the fewest ever for a Pro Bowl quarterback. Well, not ever, but dating back to the 1970 merger. Trevor Lawrence, well-deserved. He's, you know, your third quarterback for the AFC. And then the NFC quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff. But back to the Derek Carr stuff. I have that a little bit later, but I'll just get to it now. So they had this skills challenge yesterday. You had to throw the balls at these moving targets and targets that were far and close and moving. And um, they were worth various different points. And Derek Carr absolutely killed it. Take a listen to this. He left before. He's going to be on a new team. I think he wants to show a little something out there. Here. And he hits the, the four right off the bat. missing the beat. Oh, there you go, back to back. He said, listen, I'm the career leader in passing yards and touchdowns for the Raiders. Let me show them what they're missing. I ain't missing the beat, baby. Come on now. Here we go. three. There you go. That is. Remember, he needs 16 points. He's at. He does. Wow. He got 16. Come on now. He got He's 16. He's at 14. There oh, is. All right. That is right Show there. him what they're missing, the Derek Carr. is going to win this. This personal. This feel personal. It is personal. That's what I'm talking about. Hit the drone. Can we get a shot of his of his head? Okay, D. Carr. Let's okay, go. Okay, D. Carr. Okay. Man, you talk about ones? precise. Yeah, yes. he was. I posted a clip on Twitter yesterday. He was on fire. He's still on fire right they got, now. They got some. They got some people. Twenty-four points. They got points, some people around the league watching this right now. Twenty-six. Look at him. Look at him. Let him go. Look at him. 
seven seconds. Six, five, four. Oh my gosh. Two. Wear them out. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? And now he's still got a chance. Get left. Get left, four. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, so Derek Carr killed it. He led all quarterbacks with 31 points in that competition. Uh, the AFC is actually out to an early lead. I don't really know how this is working, but they had all these competitions and the AFC won all but the last one, which I think was dodgeball. But the the point of showing that is to show you this next clip, which was right after this. Ryan Clark interviewed him and listen to this answer. Listen, Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. That's uh, probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Bro. Okay, Derek Carr, funny man, uh, being very blunt and, you know, comedic as well, but telling it how it is because he's not coming back to the Raiders. We all know that by now. So that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but if you didn't see it, they had the long drive competition, uh, which I thought was hilarious. There were some guys that have never swung a golf club before, and it was just priceless, absolutely priceless. I think it was Zadarius Smith. He's like, I watched some, you know, YouTube actually up. I might as well play it because I think it's hilarious. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, that's the Jordan Poyer one. Thought I had it. Let's see. Uh, let me, f I'll find it real quick. Sedarius Smith. Just comical. Uh, let's see. I'm not spelling his name right. Yeah, here we go. Uh, hey guys, this is Adarius Smith. This is my first time golfing. Uh, watched a couple YouTube videos before, but uh, I know for sure NFC is taking this thing today. If you think watching a couple of YouTube videos before you ever hit a golf ball means you'll be able to hit a golf ball, your team ain't winning. So first swing, he tries a little happy Gilmore. He's doing this little run-up shot, and he swings, and he basically misses the ball and hits the ground, and everyone's laughing and says, that counts. Yeah, that counts. Hold on, hold on. The ball right there, the ball. That's a practice swing. No. Like Come on, man. Your chain is thicker than that. Oh, here we go. You Second attempt, he swings and almost falls forward and falls over. And here's the third attempt. So I just realized something watching this for the second time now. He's holding the club with the wrong, with opposite hands. Your right hand goes below your left hand and he has it the opposite way. So that might be your first problem. Your second problem is you just have literally never played golf before. So good luck learning at 30 years old or whatever you are. It's a, the most ridiculously 
hard sport that there is, hands down, no question about it. There are plenty of guys, more guys that can hit a 100 mile per hour fastball coming at their face. Not every time, but you get the point. Like there's the threat of a ball coming at your face every time you step into a batter's box. There's more people in this world that can do that than hit a tiny little white ball that's on a stick in the ground that's stationary. If that doesn't give you clarity as to how difficult this sport is, then I don't know what will. It, it's that hard. Just go to Top Golf and tell me if you can hit the ball straight and hit the back of the net or hit a target one time without getting lucky. I mean, it's just so hard, so difficult. But yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. All right, we're going to swing on over and talk uh, a little NBA. Yeah, uh, actually, no. I, I talked about how Josh Allen is at the Pro-Am, at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So is Josh, I mean, so is Aaron Rodgers. And he was, I didn't actually uh, watch the, or listen to this clip, but I believe this is the right clip. So he's teeing off and then he gets asked a question and he answers it very bluntly. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Cole. Got any news you want to share with us? Not going to San Fran. <laughs> you look great with a cowboy star on your helmet. Look at shot. Just spins off the edge. So, yeah, that he wasn't asked, uh, you know, are you going to go to Cincinnati or, or, excuse me, San Francisco or anything? He brought it up. He said, got anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I'm not going to San Francisco. Then he jokes about the cowboy thing. But we've known now for a little while that they won't trade him in-house, meaning within the NFC. And it was always going to be about the AFC probably. So this gives us a little clarity. I don't think he's joking. I think there's a lot of truth to this. And I think this is a good thing because report came out either yesterday, I think yesterday, that Joe Douglas and the New York Jets are going to do everything they can to pursue Aaron Rodgers. And they're going to be, you know, try their damnedest to get him because they realize that they have a very legitimate opportunity at, at their hands a small window with these young guys. They have the 13th pick. They could shore up the O-line. They could go a couple ways here, get another receiver, and they need a quarterback because they have a top five defense. And if they get a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' caliber, they are just as good at that point with that roster as any team in the AFC. I firmly believe that. I believe a team comprising of Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and all the pieces they have with the pieces that were hurt coming back, Brees Hall, AVT, Elijah Vera Tucker, yeah, Makai Becton maybe, um, and then draft another guy at 13, that team will win the AFC East. That's what I'll say. And from there, uh, that team could go 13 and four, could go, you know, 12 and six. Like, they, they could legitimately you know, compete for a championship with Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. Okay, let's get to some NBA. Uh, Sunday night, 
Shocker, another 50-point night. This time, Giannis and the Bucks beat the Pelicans 135-110. to 110. He had 50 points in just 30 minutes on 20 of 26 shooting from the field. It's the NBA's 18th 50-point game of the season, despite the schedule not reaching February yet. That was Sunday. Well, this a- NBA segment, I've got, I don't know, three more, two two more 50-point games. It's just ridiculous. It was Giannis's third game in the last calendar month with at least 30 points in the paint. He had seven such games in his first nine seasons combined. Then let's talk about the Wizards. No 50-pointers for anyone in this game, but they beat the Spurs 127-106, and in doing so, won a basketball game in the city of San Antonio for the first time in 8,451 days. Washington's last win in San Antonio was in December of 1999. Oh, my God. I was seven years old. Ridiculous. And then, oh, guess what? Another night, another 50-point game. Luca, finally back after missing two games with an ankle injury, scored 53 points on 17 of 24 shooting. His fourth 50-point game of the season. His five 50-point games are more than any, excuse me, more than all other players in Mavs history combined. Oh, yeah, and he just so happens to lead the NBA in points per game in both the first and third quarters, averaging 11.4 points in the first and 10.4 in the third. Then let's talk about what happened last night with Dylan Brooks and Donovan Mitchell in the Grizzlies-Cavs game. I was going to bet the Cavs. They were like minus five and a half, minus six and a half, and I just didn't do it. Here's what this sounded like. Uh, Oh, come on. I definitely, I thought I had it. Hold on. Let's see. Basically, what happened was... Um, let me just play the video. No, that, that one's too long. Uh, where's the freaking video? Here we go. Okay, yeah, it's just a bunch of yelling and screaming, but the best is Kevin Harlan. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't realize what happened. So basically, Dylan Brooks has become a bit of a D-bag. He's a very unlikable guy lately. He got into it with Shannon Sharp a couple of weeks ago, and now this. So here's what happened. He drives the lane left into the paint and gets... He doesn't make it, and he gets hit. He's probably pissed he didn't get a foul call, and he basically falls down a little bit hard, nothing crazy. But in anger, clearly, he stops, thinks about what to do next, rolls quite obviously towards Donovan Mitchell, who got the ball. And then he just like from a seated position or whatever, raises his arms up and swings down right at Donovan Mitchell's nether regions. Well, Mitchell, needless to say, reacted and threw the ball right at Brooks, which elicited that brawl there. Both players were ejected. 
but the Cavs did go on to blow out the Grizzlies. And afterwards, Donovan Mitchell did not hold back when asked about the scuffle. Do you feel that Dylan cheap shot you? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just who he is. You know, we've seen it a we've seen it a bunch in this league with him. Um, him and I have had our personal battles for years. Um, quite frankly, I've been busting his ass for years. Um, playoffs, regular season. Um, you know, in the one game he does a high job on me today. You know, he decides to do something like that, and you know, that's, there's no place in that in the game. And you know, you got to protect yourself at the end of the day. But. Um, this has been brewing for years um, with me, with, with me, with other guys in the league, and we, you all see it. You know, it's not something that this is this isn't new. Um, and you know, tonight was just the end of it. But it's tough when you can't guard somebody and can't do something with somebody. You got to resort to that, and that's what he's done to a lot of players. You know, I, I, off the top of my head, I think it's like Dame and, and, and Steph. He, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. That's what you resort to, and that's cool. But um, I'm glad my guys held it down tonight, and you know, had my back. You know. Throughout the whole thing. Chris, Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com. Hey, Donovan. You said you've had matchups with mm-hmm. him before. Have you ever had an unfortunate Yeah, we've been talking nonstop. I wouldn't say this to this extent, but there's always been talks. You can go back, I think it was like two years ago, regular season, um, like 30 points a game, like um, it's nonstop talking back and forth. And, you know, that was cool when we were just talking, but that right there is that's where, you know, Line has to be line has to be drawn, and the NBA has to do something about it. Because, like I said, I'm not the only person this has happened to. Um, there's no place for that in this game, and you know, like I said, I, I took matters into my own hands. But at the end of the day, like you know, that ain't it. Did you sense it building up throughout the course of the game? Uh, I wouldn't say to that. I wouldn't. I didn't think it was gonna be like that. You know, maybe the jaw back and forth, which is part of the game, and that's cool or whatever. You know, but like I said, when you have a cheap shot like that, because there was no need to do that. You know what I mean? So um, I wasn't expecting that, and then that's just how I reacted. But like I said, if you just can't guard somebody, just say that and just get a switch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah, so Donovan Mitchell not holding back. We are definitely going to need a part two of this or a round two. So let's see, wait and see what happens when these two square off again. Grizzlies are second in the in the West. And the Cavs are, I think they're in fifth. I don't know. Did they? They might have passed the the, the Nets. Let's see. Yeah, they're fifth. They're just uh, half a game behind the Nets for the four spot. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. That was last night. Okay. Also, last night we found out who the All Star reserves were, and there were some notables that got absolutely snubbed. But first, let me get to you to the reserves in the East. You have Embiid, who many thought should be starter. DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, and Drew, uh, not Ann, but Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, and Tyrese Halliburton. Now, more on this Drew Holiday situation. A little surprising that he made it, but it is his first All-Star game since 2013, nearly a decade. The nine years in between appearances in an All-Star game is the largest gap for any player in NBA history. And now to the snubs. Well, let me get to the West first because some of those snubs are in the West. Um, the West reserves, John ja Morant, Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis, SGA, Shai Gilgis, Alexander, Paul George, Dame, Lowry Markinen, Jaron Jackson Jr. And so now to some of the snubs. Jalen Brunson, 
did not get in, which is a little bit surprising that Julius Randle got in over him. My man Anthony Edwards didn't get in. He's been awesome this year. De'Aaron Fox, James Harden. That, to, to everybody's surprise, that was the biggest surprise, according to what I saw on, on social media. Uh, Anthony Davis, he missed some a bunch of time, though. Pascal Siakam, Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, Devin Booker, and Aaron Gordon. And before you get pissed off at, oh, who, you know, the fans shouldn't be voting and yada, yada. No, it wasn't the fans that voted. It was the coaches. Wowzer. And last night I was sleeping, so I missed this game. But Giannis dropped another 50-burger, helping the Bucks beat the Clippers 106-105. to For the third time this season, Giannis topped 50, a second time this week, going for 54-19, and including 20 in the fourth quarter. But let's just step back a little bit and look at the, this in perspective. If, if Giannis didn't win a championship he wouldn't be considered all that good. I still don't think he's all that good of a player, and I'm biased. I think he's fine and everything else, and yeah, he got the championship, so kudos to him. He put on one of the great performances in Game 7 or in the finals, whatever. But here's why I don't think what he did last night was all that great. In fact, I don't think it was great at all. Giannis Atenacumpo took 24 more shots than anyone on his team last night, missed 18 shots, which by my estimation, hold on a second, actually, um, I believe the 18 shots that he missed, that's as many shots as anyone on his team took. Let's see. Yeah, nobody on the Bucks took more than 15 shots. So Giannis missed 18 shots. He missed three more shots than anyone on his team, and he attempted 39 Okay, he was two for eight from three. He can't shoot the ball, so why is he attempting eight three-pointers? And he was just 10 for 15 from the line, which actually his his free throw percentage, I think, has improved. But if you know a thing or two about basketball and you ever watch this man try to shoot a free throw, it is one of the more painful things you'll ever watch. He takes uh, a year and a half to shoot them, and it's just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, he's a supreme talent, sure. But he he'll never be, you know in that conversation with the likes of, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. He'll never be in that debate because he can't shoot. He just can't. It's a little, I mean, 39 shots, three more misses than anyone took on his, than any, three more misses than shots by anyone on his team. Just ridiculous. But the Bucks are 31 and 17 and they're sitting in second place in the East you can't argue with the results, and not to mention, they were down 21 in the second half. And he did score 20 in the in the fourth, so love him or hate him, he's pretty damn good. Okay, in other news, Sam Heward, the former Washington quarterback and five-star recruit whose dad played in the NFL, entered the transfer portal a couple of weeks ago, and he exits in a fascinating spot. He is transferring to FCS school Cal Poly. It's actually not as surprising as you think. Heward's former high school coach is Cal Poly's new offensive coordinator. And from what I've read, it's very possible he could stay at Cal Poly for a year or two, put up some ridiculous numbers, and then transfer back up to a Power 5 school. When you look at his numbers at Washington, it's quite 
glaring. He was relegated to third string this year. Michael Penix Jr., of course, we know transferred in from Indiana. Another lefty, by the way, who led the nation in passing. And then he was behind sophomore Dylan Morris. So I don't know what's going on, but he's a former five-star quarterback that was relegated to third string behind those two guys that were not as highly recruited as him. So, yeah, he better light it up at Cal Poly for sure. All right, this is the most bizarre story of the week without question. UNC women's field hockey just hired their 22-year-old former player that graduated last month, Erin Matson, to lead its program as its new head coach. So here's what I'll say. She has four NCAA titles in five years, in the last five years, three Honda Sport Awards, only the second player ever to do that, and she owns the record for goals in both ACC history and NCAA tournament play. The reason they're hiring her is because she is taking over for her former coach, Karen Shelton, who spent 42 years on the job, winning a record 10 NCAA titles and 25 ACC championships. And by the way, Shelton was hired when she was just 23 years old. So they're trying to repeat that success. But here's what I'll say about this. I never understood field hockey. I don't get it for the life of me. They use these weirdly shaped sticks on the ground that are like hybrid hockey sticks. And the girls run around and it's like soccer. And I, I saw a video a couple of weeks ago on TikTok. It was for a high school state championship in field hockey. And it was a penalty kick like they have in soccer only. This was really close up. And the girl hits the ball so slow right at the goalie. Goalie just has to get down and block it on her knees or whatever. And it goes right through her legs because she tried some backhanded stick move to try to flick it out. And it was embarrassing. And I just don't understand field hockey. Never. I mean, this woman, this girl won four national championships as a player in five years. And I've never heard of this. Never heard of her. Never heard of the coach. It's just crazy. And this is at a major uh, university, UNC Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Is it, It's insane. 22 years old. So now her former teammates, she's now their coach. And oh, by the way, the assistants, oh, sorry, we're, we're hiring her. She, you know, the, the player that you were co helping coach last year, she's better than you as a player. And we think she's going to be a better coach. So, you know, kick rocks. You could be her assistant now. You were her coach last year, but now you could either be her assistant or you could kick rocks. It's just wild. Wild. Okay, we have a new entrant for Dunk of the Year in college basketball, and he goes by the name of Ricky Council IV. Take a listen. Arkansas. Tough, tough take. Good block. Mitchell. Walsh nearly falls out of bounds. Great pass from Black to Council. Oh, wow. Yeah, please go look it up. It's a reverse. Uh, just ooh, he gets up there quick, and it, it's it, it was sexy. It was really nice, really nice. Uh, that's Arkansas Ricky Council the fourth. Hey, the Louisville Cardinal won a game. They beat Georgia Tech sixty-eight. I don't know if that's the right score, but sixty-eight fifty-eight Wednesday night to improve to a whopping. 3-19 and 19 overall and 1-10 in 10 in ACC play. Before last season, when they had their, their losing record, they had not been under 500 since the year 2000. 
paging Rick Patino. Anybody paging Rick Patino? Is Rick Patino here? Can we bring Rick Patino back? I mean, seriously, this three and nineteen for a former powerhouse school like this. Yikes. Okay, Florida beat number two Tennessee last night, sixty-seven fifty-four. Tennessee becomes the tenth different AP top two school to lose this season, which is the most different top two teams to lose in a season in AP poll history. And it's only the first week of February. Yowzer. Joe Mixon was uh, issued an arrest warrant. Uh, a warrant for his arrest was issued. Apparently, Mixon, got to go back a couple weeks to the day before the Bengals beat the Bills. He pointed a gun at somebody's face and said, you should be popped in the face. I should shoot you. I'm not really surprised considering Mixon almost didn't get drafted because he punched a woman in the face in college. Um, but it just came out before that the charges are being dropped apparently. So nothing's going to happen to him. So really it's a non-story at this point until it becomes a story again. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is this weird Andrew Marshan story, uh, uh, this report from the New York post about Tony Romo. So according to, to Andrew Marshan, CBS execs tried to have an intervention with Tony Romo prior to this 2022 season to address issues in the broadcast booth, but apparently that didn't work and the situation has not gotten better. And he goes on to say like, it's different than being on the field and he's got to do more homework and all this crazy stuff. I think Tony Romo is, is great. I don't know why he started getting all this flack this year, but I think he's a, he's been a great broadcaster and I, I yeah, I just don't know. I don't know where this comes from it's kind of random but let's see if there's any shakeups with this or if there's anything that that come further comes out about this but pretty shocking stuff okay i'll get to the kyrie irving stuff now i held my breath on this all episode for the last hour this is all i'm gonna say can the nets do any worse so all off season kevin durant requested a trade I'm saying to myself, you've got to be kidding me. They just got Ben Simmons. They traded Harden, leveraged their whole future to get Harden, and now Durant wants out, and then they couldn't deal him, so they finally had talks, and they decided to basically fire Steve Nash, got rid of him, brought in Jacques Vaughn, didn't bring, well, he was already on the staff, but made him the head coach. Everything was good. The Nets were up near the top echelon of the teams. Yeah, Ben Simmons wasn't scoring, but he was having his moments, dishing dimes, dealing rebounds, whatever. And the Nets were the one, basically the two seed for most of the beginning of the year. And then Kevin Durant gets hurt in early January, just like he did last season with the MCL sprain. But then Kyrie Irving steps up. He's been a revelation. He had five straight or six straight 30 point games. And yeah, they weren't really winning, but they were staying afloat. They're the four seed right now. And it comes out today that Kyrie Irving requested a trade by next Thursday's trade deadline. I, I, I'm, I'm in shambles. I don't even know what to say at this point. So I'm just going to just shut up and, and, and just leave it alone because I don't have any more words. This guy wanted a new deal. He wants a four-year max. There was thought that they might get a deal done even in Brooklyn, but 
I can't blame the Nets for not wanting to pay him because he's unreliable. And apparently Kyrie wants nothing, uh, no asterisks in place in, in, in this deal. Like no, no, basically like Kyler Murray type stipulations. Like if you don't complete this or if you don't play this ex, this amount of games, then you're not going to get this money. He wanted it just no holds bar, four year max, hundred fifty million deal or whatever he's he's worth or or capable of get I, whatever. So now there's talks of, are we going to trade him to the Lakers, the Mavs? What's going to happen? Because if they don't trade him, then he can walk as a free agent this summer. But if they also say, we're not trading you, then he could say, screw you. Well, I quit. And he doesn't play the rest of the year. So this is bizarre. This is not good for the game of basketball. It's certainly horrific for the Nets because Kevin Durant, one more year, he's gone. And now what is he thinking? He like if I'm Sean Marks and Kyrie Irving comes to me and says that I want to trade by next Thursday. First of all, I'm like, what are you kidding me? Second of all, I'm like, why don't you go ask your buddy Kevin Durant how well that worked out when he requested a trade a few months ago? And then I just basically mic drop and walk out. It's unbelievable. As good of a talent as he is, and I love watching him when he's on the court, especially these fourth quarters when he just goes off. Like when he went off for 21 against the Knicks the other night and single-handedly won that game, nobody's better when he's doing that. And he's been playing so good, averaging like 27-plus. He was named an all-star starter despite the anti-Semitism. He got named a starter. Him and Durant, the only teammates to be named starters. I mean, what what is going through Durant's mind? What how's he walk through the locker room when they at practice today or 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 tomorrow? I mean, seriously, you think these other guys are going to be happy and going to be like, oh, it's okay, you know, we know it's a business, it's a joke, it's a joke, and I'm done. That's the last I'll speak of it. I'm serious. That's it. I am done. All right, we're gonna wrap this up. What's on this weekend? It's gonna be ten degrees out or less. So I am not leaving my house tomorrow for sure. What I will be watching this weekend, you've got UNC Duke tomorrow night, 6.40 on ESPN. You've got number uh, 25 Auburn at number two Tennessee at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Tennessee just coming off that loss. You've got number eight Kansas at 13 Iowa State at 12 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, Kansas kind of got it rolling a little bit there. Then you've got in the NHL, you got the all-star game. I don't know if this is like a legitimate thing, but apparently if this is normal, they're having like two all-star games. It's the Central versus the Pacific at 3 p.m. and the Metro versus the Atlantic at 4 p.m. on ABC, both of those. Yeah, I'd have to look more into that, but I probably won't be watching it. And then you've got the... uh, Pro Bowl, it's a flag football game. That'll be on ABC at 3 p.m. on Sunday. I think that's all I've got, last but not least, on this date in sports. February 3rd, 2008, Eli Manning and the New York Giants with a crazy, crazy comeback. You know, of course, the catch, the helmet catch. He evades an insane sack, heaves a ball up to David Tyree, who nobody ever heard of. He catches it. It sticks on his helmet like glue, forever known as the helmet catch. A few plays later, Eli throws it up to Plaxico Burris on a bit of a fade for the easy touchdown, the game-winning touchdown, as the Giants knock off the 18-0 Patriots by his final score of 17-14 to in Super Bowl 42. Four years later, they would knock off the Patriots yet again, 21 to 14 and the Giants were 
12 and a half point underdogs. I'll leave you with some highlights of the helmet catch exactly 15 years ago. Crazy. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh, my God. This ball's thrown, and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. And Eli, man, I don't know how he got out of there. I thought he was on the ground, and, and then he came out of the pile and just slings it. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground and not dropping it. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. Touchdown. 17-14 Giants. The Giants have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, that was one of the greatest Super Bowls I've ever seen, hands down, in my lifetime. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up this episode. Next week, we'll mark episode number 200. Talk about a milestone. I'm excited for that one, but stay safe, stay warm, stay inside and turn that heat up. I'm the Pody signing off. You've been listening to episode 199 of This Week in Sports. Talk to you next week.